I was a wedding last night, but you know the scenario, whether it's a wedding or it's a party, the question comes, the totally unnecessary question comes, what do you do? Oh, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. Oh, says some people. Oh, says some people. Oh, I'm a taxi driver. Oh. Oh, I'm a barrister. Oh. What do you do? As if your life is defined by your work. Treat me as a person first. Don't treat me by my employment. And frankly, not everybody's in employment, are they? So, in one sense, it's a stupid question. It's a frustrating question. What do you do? But, 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 here's the thing. Everybody does something. Unless you're in a coma, you do something. You'll watch TV, you'll think, you'll read, you'll garden. And if you have a job a regular employment, then you know it sucks up so much of your doing that in one sense you can't help but have it shape who you are as a person. So what do you do is not necessarily such a silly question. It's not absolute, but it is significant, isn't it? What do you do? It is perhaps even more significant in the first century or throughout the vast bulk of human history. What do you do in the ancient culture? Well, I chose to do a university degree and become a doctor. No, you didn't. You didn't have any choice. Your father was a farmer. You're a farmer. Your father was a baker. You're a baker. Your father was an innkeeper. You now run jobs in the inn. My father's a shepherd. I too am a shepherd. Or however it works, choices are limited. Even for most of the people in our world today, their choices are very limited. And your contribution to society ends up virtually defining where you stand in society. It's not a small question, what do you do? Surnames like Smith and Baker and Cooper were given because they told people what you did. Your place in society. Work does matter. In Genesis 1 and 2 we find that God made us in his image specifically one of the very important parts of being made in God's image is to be made to work, to contribute, to create, to form. What do you do? Yes, it's a frustrating question, I get that, but it's not an inane question because God made, God made all of us to do something. The passage today we're looking at in our journey through John's Gospel in this series that we're in, John 5, 4 and 5, 4 and 5, Life in the Sun, has a lot to say about work and what is being done. Because Jesus has just done something. It's quite, something quite amazing. There's an invalid in Jerusalem. He's been lying at this pool, hoping to get in the water to get some form of healing, he hopes, when the waters move. But he's been there 38 years. Jesus comes along and sees him and says, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus comes along and offers new life, healing, Really, a new creation. You can imagine how withered this man's muscles are, how atrophied he is. Jesus says, get up. 
Pick up your mat and walk. And let me read to you what happens. Chapter 5, verse 9. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. That's the seventh day. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat on a Sabbath. But he replied, But but the man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Isn't that amazing? Didn't have a clue. This man walked sometimes. Get up your mat. And he goes. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, This is interesting. So, that you are, so, see, you are well again. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. Jesus is not just creator and healer and restorer. He's now saying almost judge. Stop sinning. There's a bigger issue here. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus that had made him well. Who is this man, Jesus, who does this work and then says, watch out for judgment? Well, who is he? What does he do? Let's just start with that simple question. Because this really is an issue of work. We are known in part by the things that we do. And work is a big issue, perhaps the big issue in this passage. The Jewish leaders came and said, whatever you do, you're not allowed to do any work on the Sabbath. Because what you do really matters. For them, they had to work their way into a right standing. With God, they had to do the right things. And one of the do's was don't do on the seventh day. And so Jesus did the wrong thing. He not only healed, he commanded to pick up his mat and walk. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him or pursue him, to hunt him. Now, funnily enough, Jesus agrees with the Jewish leaders. He was working. Yeah, on the Sabbath, it's true. I healed the man. I brought new life. I commanded the man, pick up your mat and walk. In his defence, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. Yep, yep, you got me. I'm working too. It's work I just did on the Sabbath. Just like my father. You know from the creation story there were seven days of creation. The last day was the day when God rested from his work of creation. It was the Sabbath. And the law of Moses commanded the people of Israel that they must rest on the seventh day. They must cease from their labour and trust in God and worship God. And it was a big deal and it is a big deal to rest. And the Jewish leaders, however, they also knew that though God rested on the seventh day, the last day of creation, they also knew that his work continues because creation continues and life continues. And God gave his law 
and judgment against his standards continues. God continues to be God. And what Jesus says here in effective, effectively is, yes, you're right, I was working on the seventh day. I healed the Sabbath. But I think God is pleased with me. I think my Father is pleased with me because, frankly, I'm just doing his work. And don't you think he'll be pleased with his work? Should I be worried or will my father be happy with his work? My father who continues to work, as you know. Now, how do you think that goes down? Well, here's how it goes down. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. They understood, they're smart men. And it absolutely infuriates them. The God of creation, the God who spoke and creation came into being, the God of Sinai on the mountain with the fire and the thunder and the holiness, the God who gives the law, the God who commands, the God of the Psalms who's so glorious and mighty and exalted, the God of Isaiah who's Train fills the temple. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The God of Ezekiel who comes seated on this fiery throne with wheels this way and that way and lightning and you cannot comprehend this glorious God. Jesus makes himself, this man makes himself equal with our God. And he says, God's work and I'm doing his work. And if you want to know God, one of the great ways to know God is to know what he does. So what does God do? What is God's work? Well, God is creator. God is sovereign life giver. God gives life to dead things. He is where life comes from. God is the one who sets the law for those who are living that he has created and God is judge of those that he has created and to whom he gives his law. That's God. So if Jesus says, I am equal with God, what is Jesus' work? Well, then he must be claiming that he is creator, that he is sovereign life giver, law setter and judge. <laughs> These Jewish leaders are appalled at the claims this man makes to be equal with God. Well, Jesus goes on to explain. Uh, yes, I'm equal with God, equal with God in submission. You might even say, yeah, I'm equal, equal with God even, subject, even in subjection. And to help us understand this, I'd like to introduce you to two of my friends. Rob Anderson on the left and Rion Anderson, his son, on the right. When we renovated our church, we had an architect named Jeff Dean and he did a great job. When we came to our house to do some renovations, I spoke to Jeff and Jeff gave us some great ideas. I said, Jeff, can you draw them up? So we used him for the architect for our renovations. And when he'd done all of his plans and everything was approved, I said to Jeff, Jeff, have you got a builder you'd recommend? Because I trusted Jeff and Jeff said, Robert Anderson. 
So Rob, the dad, came to our house and we talked to him and he looked it over and he came and says, oh yeah, blah, 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 like builders do. And we had to wait till Rob finished a job before he could start on our job, as is the way. And Rob's a great bloke. You just cannot help but like Rob Anderson. The time comes and he says, I forget what time he said, let's say he said March. I will start in March. It gets closer to March and then Rob starts saying, oh, I think I might give this job to Rion, my son. Hold it. We want you, Rob. You're the man we had recommended to us. You're going to give us to... It's as if Rob is saying, I want you to trust me and trust that my son will do your job. He would say, he's even better than I am. So we trusted Rob and Rion did the renovations on our house and then built a granny flat next to our house and Rion did a fantastic job. We trusted him implicitly and we are so happy that Rion Anderson was the builder who did the work on our house. Now keep that idea in mind as we look at what Jesus says about his work and his father's work, this equality in submission. Five points to this that I'd like you to look at and they're in verses 19 to 23. First point... Jesus does what his father does. They're in the same business. And that's the way it usually was in Jesus' day. You did what your father did. So Jesus gave them this answer. Yes, I'm working. My father's also working. They're absolutely poor. They want to kill him. Jesus replies, very truly I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So we're in the same trade. I do what my father does. And if you want to get upset with me, well, really you're getting upset with my father because we're just in the same trade. Rion Anderson builds house because that's what his dad does. He's in the same business. A bit like those photos that Seb put up. Doesn't happen so often today, but they're in the same business. Second point, very simple, out of love, the father shows his son what he does. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. You see, the father cares. This is not obligation. I'm not just training up an apprentice. I'm showing my son what I do because we do the same thing. Again, Rion and his dad, you can see Rob Anderson when Rion's younger showing him how to build a set of stairs. You do it this way, Rion. And from talking to them, Rob was much, much harder on Rion than he was on any other apprentice because he loved his son. He showed his son what he was doing. He wanted him to do it well. You know, I think Jesus is saying, you've just seen me heal a man. You've just seen me do my father's work of restoration and new life, but there are greater things than these to come. We haven't bumped into Lazarus yet. We haven't bumped into the cross. We haven't bumped into the resurrection. We haven't bumped into thousands and millions of people finding new life in Christ. There's greater things to come. I'm just doing my father's work, what he showed me. 
So what does the Father do? What is God's work? Well, I've already covered this in part, but we'll see it again in this passage. What does the Father do? Well, my dad builds. He's a builder. What does God do, the Father do? Well, verse 21, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. The Father gives life to those things that are dead that do not exist. The Father is creator. What does the Son do? Well, he's in the same trade. He gives life to the dead. He heals a man whose body is atrophied through years of inactivity. And so he gets up and walks. He raises Lazarus, who's been dead four days from the tomb. That's what the Son does, what the Father does. He gives life. He gives life today. He's still in the same business. Some of the work that the Father does, he hands over to his Son, like giving our building project to the Son, Rion. Some of the work, he says, he's ready. It's his job now. Verse 21. For just as the Father raises the... Verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. So this work of judgment, he's given it now to his Son. God judges, God the Father judges, now the Son judges. So now you'd better start fearing and honouring and dealing with the Son. Our job gets given to Rion. Who do we go and talk to now? Who do we honour? Who do we respect? Whose advice do we listen to? We listen to the son's advice because the father has passed that over to the son. He's the main man. Listen to him. Fifth point. If you want to honour the father, then you need to honour the son. Imagine Rion comes over to do our job. He turns up on the first day with his tools and his tradies, ute and all that sort of stuff. And he walks in and says, G'day. And we say, What? We don't want you. What would you know, you young man in your mid-twenties? Get out of here. How do you think the father feels? Rob brings up, John, what's going on? How do you think the father feels when we've dishonoured the son? How do you think? I'll tell you how the father feels because I've experienced it. We tell Rob that the job's going fantastic. He comes over afterwards. He just walks around like a strutting chicken looking at his son's work. He's just so full of pride because the son has been honoured. We've seen it. And those of you who are fathers, how do you feel when your son is honoured? I feel good. I feel better. How do you feel when your son is dishonoured? When, when your son is not trusted if they're standing in your stead? The father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the son that all may honour the son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father 
who sent him. There's a simple progression of thought through this whole passage. There is equality in submission of the Son to the Father, but God's work he hands over to his Son. So understand the point Jesus made. My Father is always at work to this day and I too am working because I'm just doing his work. And you've got to deal with me now because God has taken on human flesh and dwelt with us. He's done it for a very specific purpose. If you want to honour the Father, you better honour the Son. This has massive implications. Not just a question of understanding the Father and the Son. It has massive implications. Therefore, therefore, you can just work it out. Therefore, everything depends upon how you respond to the Son. <coughs> Jesus, I don't think he could make it clearer in what, in what he says next. The work of the Son has eternal implications of life and judgment. So listen to him. Verse 24, very truly says Jesus, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, the time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of God. God with us, Emmanuel. Jesus is the Son of Man. He's human like you and I. Yet he is God. The man God, son of God, son of man. That phrase son of man is used in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 7 where the ancient of days, let's call the ancient of days correctly God the Father. When God the Father hands over his work to the son of man. Let me read to you from Daniel chapter 7. About the Son of Man, verse 13. Daniel has a vision and he looked and there before me was one like a Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven and he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence and he was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. All the worship goes to the Ancient of Days. All the worship goes to the Son of Man. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. See, now judgment now lies with the Son of Man, the Son of God. Life or death lies with Jesus. And there is life in the Son. That's the theme of our series. There is life only in the Son. There is no other name but Jesus, Jesus. Verse 26, For as the Son... As the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And therefore the only fitting response, as Jesus has said, as is the theme of our church for this year, the only fitting response to the Son is to hear, believe and obey. For he is the Son of Man, he is the Son of God. 
He is the life giver, the saviour, the restorer, the judge. And eternity hangs in our response to him. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just for I seek not to please myself but him who sent me, says Jesus. I am the agent. I am the one who brings life. I am the one who raises the dead. I am the one who is hope for eternity. I am the one you must respond to, says Jesus, to these Jewish leaders who are horrified that he should heal a man on the Sabbath day. The Father sent the Son and he's entrusted all things to the Son. Now you imagine, Rob tells us we're going to send Rion, I'm going to send my son Rion to build your house. He'll do a great job. And we say, yeah, that's great, Rob. Yeah, no, we trust you. And we're waiting. You know, if you've ever done a building project, you're waiting for the day the builder finally starts. And we're waiting and we're expectant and we're hoping and it's always delayed one week or two weeks or three. Oh, yeah, oh, I can't quite come yet. Another week. And we're waiting and we're waiting and finally he gets there. He turns up in his unit and we say, rack off. You young whippersnapper. You're so full of yourself. What would you know? Get out of here. You know what God did? God promised his people that he would send them a saviour. His son. Who would give them life from the dead. Who would forgive all their sins who would gather his people, who would rule with an everlasting dominion and have all authority and power. And the people of Israel waited and the Jewish people leaders waited. They longed for the Messiah to come to save them. And the Messiah comes and he starts doing the works of God that only God can do. He starts to give life, to heal and restore and make new, and they say, get out of here. And they take him and they arrest him. The son. And they beat him and they crucify him. He came for all the lost sheep. He came for all of his children. He came for you. He came for me. And what, how do we respond to the son who's been promised, who does these things that only God can do? Are we still crucifying him? Here's the great paradox, the great mystery, the great wonder. As Jesus was crucified even then, He was doing his greatest work. He was working, doing his father's work. He was coming to give life to those who were dead. He was coming to judge. 
He was coming to heal and restore. He was coming to save. He was coming to destroy the enemy and set up an everlasting dominion and rule as king, eternal. And he did it through the cross. And from the cross through to the resurrection, he conquered death. And he offers us life in himself. The first fruits of those who have beaten the grave. But will we come to the Son? The Apostle Paul speaks of this great work, this great work that was planned of God in Philippians chapter 2. We think it's one of the very early Christian hymns because it's very structured. Here's the work of Jesus. Jesus who is in very nature God did not consider equality with God as something to be held on to but he made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He was made in human likeness, the son of man. And being in a found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He was doing his father's work for you and for me. Therefore, God, the Father, exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, at the name of my Son, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because the Father is honoured as the Son is honoured, do you see? Our work is to acknowledge the Son, Jesus Christ is Lord. Our work is to hear, believe and obey, which is the only non-work that is work. It's just to trust in what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, you've come to give me life. Jesus, you've come to forgive my sins. Jesus, you've died in my place. Jesus, you've risen from the dead so that I might share in your new life. All I'm going to do is hear, believe and obey and trust you as Lord. That is the Christian life. That is what it means to become a Christian. That, it means, that is what it means to go on as a Christian. That we might receive new life and be saved from the wrath to come if only we will listen to the Son whom the Father has sent, believe in the Son the Father has sent and obey him as Lord. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your great love for us that your great work was to bring life to those who were dead, life to the rebel, life to the sinner. We thank you that you did it by sending your son out of your love. Help each one of us, Lord, to hear, believe and obey. Lord, for those of us who do follow, give us open ears, soft hearts and a conviction to follow. For those of you who don't know us, Lord, by your spirit open our hearts to trust you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The work of the Son is the same as the work of the Father. And many things the Son has done for us, hasn't he? Uh, He's given us new life. Uh, He's given us 
uh, a life of eternity. Uh, and one, another appropriate response to that is to give thanks for it's a great thing that he's done. So please stand if you're able as we sing our last song for all you've done.
that brings our formal time of worship to a close. Thank you for joining us today and we invite you to have fellowship with us over morning tea. Uh, Go well into the week and many blessings. Thank you.